Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. Yo, 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 what's up, Bass Edge Nation? We're here for another episode, that's right, of Bass Edge Radio. Aaron, I'm excited for another awesome episode. We got a lot of great things going on, a lot of featured angler today. Super excited about talking to him. But man, I feel in the nip of spring around the corner. How about you? Yeah, uh, you know, as I speak, it's a little chilly, but I can't help but notice the birds are starting to sound a little different. Days are getting a little longer, so uh, it's certainly that. There. Got my coffee. I'm geared up too. And another thing that I've got, Kurt, is uh, certainly all of the MegaWare Keelguard products installed on the new boats, as I'm sure you do as well. As always, put on the protection that the pros pick. It's the first do it yourself keel protector that only has the three in adhesive, and that is certainly MegaWare Keelguard. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com. And Kurt, I know they are extremely busy because it's buying season, right? All of the boat shows, all of the different things that's going on to gear up as we head into the new season and I'm sure you've kind of seen that um, both as an angler but then also with Hayabusa kind of being on the back end of that as well. You bet Aaron it it has been a busy 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 last 60 days or so you know jumping right out of the Christmas holiday time frame and then just immediately it all begins I mean especially from the aspect of the manufacturers and sales reps and as you mentioned before a lot of the pro anglers out there doing promotion that is one of the biggest times of year to have an impact on sales. You know, when you go to all these distributor shows, there's lots of distributor shows early in the year. That's when the retailers go out there and buy from distributors, buying from the manufacturers, really getting that product on the shelves so those consumers can see that new stuff that's going to kick it off for their spring fishing season. So um, it has been crazy. And um, again, it all happens such a short time frame, really, Aaron. I mean, the period of big push happens in these first three to four months and we are smack dab in the middle of of course tournament season off and running so uh, there's just lots of great stuff going on and you know it's interesting to see all aspects of how this industry you know that wheel turns yeah for sure and I, you know one of the things that I always appreciate about this time of year is you know somewhat growing up in the Midwest so you're still somewhat in winter but kind of in those January February months of being able to go to some of those boat shows or uh, you know it's indoors it's still kind of cold outside but you can still kind of get out there, kick the tires, look at new rigs. It's a great time for consumers, I believe, you know, who are potentially in the market for buying uh, new equipment, new rigs, uh, but also looking at tackle, looking at trips, right? You have a lot of outfitters and a lot of uh, guides like yourself that are are starting to book up now for the upcoming season. So just kind of a fun time to get everybody ramped up and ready to go before they hit the water. You bet, Aaron. And you're right about the guiding thing, too. That really starts to turn on this year. Everybody's got the bug. We're done football season's over everything's everything's kapoo all we're thinking about now is fishing so uh we got the one track mind going and we've got that spring feeling so uh the cool thing about bass edge radio is we're always bringing you the education the tech tips and here we are with another protecttheharvest.com tip coming right up (music) 
this episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com tackle tip with Mark Daniels Jr. So my tackle tip is how to locate a wintertime tidal bass. One of the biggest misconceptions is fishing dead-end sloughs or slack water. The reality of that is the slack water cools off and maintains cool temperatures throughout the day. Look for wintertime tidal bass and soft currents. Areas where the water's moving a little bit, those are going to be the key places where those wintertime bass are going to want to feed. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z-Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z-17, our entry-level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z-21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Clun, and Ott Defoe. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made. And here we go, getting ready for another Florida event. Florida, Florida, Florida. You know, it's kind of been all things Florida, and that's that's where it's got to be this time of year because of the uh, weather conditions and, and all those things that happen all over the other parts of the country besides, well, really, really South Texas and Florida. They just kicked off the uh, Elite Series with the Lake Martin event. Obviously, not quite Florida, but uh, let's talk a little bit about fishing other places. You know, I'm going to the Harris Chain, so I got Florida in my mind, but there's a lot of other things going on in the country fishing-wise, tactics. And uh, when you think about springtime fishing, what, what really comes to mind for you? Um, really, I, I say springtime. We're not even in springtime yet. It's still late winter, obviously, you know, and you start to see some sights of pre-spawn might I say, in this time of year. For sure, you know, and I'm all about the warm weather in Florida and, and fishing the grass and going to bed dreaming about the giants and, and the spawning and all that other stuff. But truth be told, Kurt, there's a lot of great fishing outside of that space. You know, I think back, in, if you get into uh, throwing that trap, right, in the grass and, and ripping that as, as you kind of come further north, it's a great time of year for our friends in Louisiana, kind of all the way as you head into my neck of the woods, then I'm going to be looking at... Uh, if I'm fishing a highland reservoir such as Table Rock or Bull Shoals or, you know, those type of areas, I'm going to have a grub in my hand. I'm going to have a swim bait, you know, maybe over top of some trees. Those fish are really starting to group up. The A-Rig, right? That's a bait that it's almost like it's disappeared off the radar screen. <laughs> Nobody's talking about it. What happened to that thing? It was the rave of all raves. Everybody had one. Everybody threw one. And and then it, it wasn't just A-Rig. I mean, it was dialing it in with the blades and, and everything else. And it was really taking its own and it was form being of banned technique. from tournaments and you know because yeah, it was going to yeah, be the, exactly. it was the antichrist of, of the fishing industry <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it seemed that way, didn't it? But, you know, they started making rods for it and everything got really specialized. And, and obviously it still catches fish, but it is nowhere near impactful as it once was. And, and I think that says a lot to development of lures and techniques and, and why it's so important to stay on top of, you know, innovation in the tackle yeah. department. Well, and speaking of staying on top, it's it's funny because, you know, kind of out of that, uh, the Damiki rig got, you know, not part yeah. of the pun, but, you know, when you're setting over vertical, that rig was used a lot, right, in, in that particular part of the country. But now that's kind of been the, the hot, hot deal, <laughs> right? Trying to vertical fish over top and looking for those schools, you know, when those fish do kind of get in those winter patterns or they start staging in groups, you know, deep before they come up, which is such a big part of the country from North Texas into Oklahoma over into the Ozarks and then you know even through Southern Virginia and Tennessee and that whole stretch through there so you know it's really important again stay on top of these techniques you know look and see what's going on this time of year is generally when you can start setting the pace for being very productive over the next couple months. You can start to follow these fish as they start migrating to these pre-spawn locations, eventually spawning locations. And this is the time of year, I think, when you can find a big group of fish and then follow where they're going. Because I think in the fall, right, everything gets dispersed. You know, it's kind of everything suspended, shad's chasing this, you know, you catch them shallow, you catch them deep, and, and the fish just end up being everywhere. And I really think in the wintertime, obviously, those fish start to group, and then when they start to make that transition now, you know, in this early part of spring, late winter, you're going to see those pre-spawn movements. Now is the time to find those big schools of fish, really follow them all the way through the pre-spawn and into the spawn and now is the time when you can lay some real good success for springtime fishing no doubt uh, man that gets me fired up just thinking yeah. about it because following them right when you work with them maybe they're out suspended and, and you're hitting them with some of the baits that you mentioned then i can't help but get fired up about for me throwing a, a wiggle ward or a rock crawler right. or something like that oh. and then that, heading into that jig and then they're back and forth and and getting to really go after them with different types of lures in different scenarios there's yeah. nothing better than that and speaking of nothing better we have the angler hunter shryock that we were able to catch up with before heading out to his first elite tournament let's get on the phone with hunter shryock for the lucas oil angler spotlight right after this message this is Bassmaster Elite Series Pro, Jason Williamson. This is BASS Elite Series Brett Byers. I am Pro Angler, Chad Pipkins. I am Nitro Mercury Pro, Josh Bertrand. Enjoying another episode of Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. This next angler is probably going to be the best known rookie angler to ever come on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Thanks in large part to his outstanding YouTube series and incredible work he does with that. We've had his brother Fletcher on the show and, and Hunter says he's a huge listener, listens to every episode. But we are happy to have Hunter Shryock 
Thanks for being on the show, Hunter. Hey, how's it going, guys? I appreciate you for having me on here. Before we even start, I can't believe you didn't have a good response on that, Hunter. I mean, so I got to let everybody know that that I was, you know, obviously we're prepping for the show. And I asked Hunter, had he ever listened to Fletcher's episodes? Hunter, what was? (laughs) have you ever listened to Fletcher's episodes? I haven't listened to Fletcher's episodes. Honest answer to that is I don't want to listen to him anymore because I hear him enough all the time the way that it is. So the dude already... (laughs) The dude already taught me how to fish, and I don't want to have to listen to him in my earbuds or anywhere else in my truck. You know, it's, uh, well, actually, <laughs> actually, Hunter, I think brotherly what, love. I think what you said, Hunter, was he's always on my rear end. The last thing I want him to do is be in my head too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, competing against each other this year will be very interesting, to say the least, between uh, the way that we interact with each other. No different than any other brothers, but it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. The whole Elite Series now is, is coming the sibling tour, right? You've got uh, the Lanes, the Lees, Shryock. Is there any other brothers out there? Uh, well, even if there's not, three is huge. That's uh, nearly 10% of the field, you know, 6% of the field, whatever. But uh, that's pretty amazing. Right. It is. It's crazy to see where the sport's heading. And, you know, you look at the young people coming in and in high school and college, and a lot of families are doing it together. So it's a great thing to see, though, too. So Absolutely. And, you know, you, you brought up a very good point as far as having fun and kind of how the two of you do it. And, and really, that's what the sport is about. And as we dive off to hopefully have some fun and, and learn a lot today, it's interesting because we were able to catch up with you, you know, as you're approaching your first event, Elite Series event there at Lake Martin in Alabama. And I know you fished a ton of tournaments and you have a lot of information that you can rely on from what it might be like. But I want to hear from you, is the first Elite event, does that have your mental state doing anything different than, say, other tournaments? Absolutely. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I mean, everybody wants to start the year off on the right foot. It's just one of those things that I think, you know, the butterflies are going in my stomach ever since it kind of set in that I'm fishing the elites and the preparation for this event has been no different than what it was for the last event to qualify for the elite. So, you know, trying to put everything into it, but I do know this event will come and go. So it's not the end of the world. It doesn't go great, but you know, obviously would love to have a good showing in the first tournament just to kind of give myself confidence and set the tone for the rest of the year. But at the end of the day, it's still just another tournament and just getting through it and kind of learning, you know, how the elites will run everything will be a big deal too. So to try to just soak it all in and just gain as much experience from it as I can to move on to the Sabine river. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Well, I'm one of those guys that, uh, I'm a fan for sure. And, um, a lot of reasons why I'm a fan, (laughs) but, but, uh, we've run into each other many times in the open events and you referred a little bit to last year and the adrenaline and excitement you had in your quest to qualify for the elite series, which has been, I think about a three or four year process for you. And you've got a YouTube series last year. It was 27 opportunities, the 27th series. And if Bass Edge listeners haven't seen Hunter's YouTube series, check it out. It's freaking awesome. And the final event (laughs) is uh, really cool. The whole thing is really neat. I say the final event, the second to last event where he qualified for the elite series is really exciting to watch, but uh, make sure you check that out. You kind of get to know Hunter 
a little bit better and see where his background comes from and what he's all about, which is a fun process. I actually wish that more anglers had the opportunity to get the story out like you do, but nobody tells it like you do. You've got such a cool artistic approach to everything. But I got to ask you this. So what is in store for the YouTube series for 2018? What do you got coming so that people can follow along and see what happens with Hunter on this new National Tournament Quest, the Elite Series? For sure. Well, first, thanks, Kurt, for bragging me up there because I think you made it better <laughs> than actually is. But, <laughs> it, um, you know, it, it's really just the trials and tribulations that us tournament anglers go through. And, you know, if you've ever fished either, you know, a local level or national level tournament, you know where the series is coming from. And we've all been there in those moments throughout the series that it highlights. But for 2018, we're doing the same thing. We're hopefully improving on the quality of it, but it'll still be basically the same type of series, the kind of tell-all, the good, the bad, you know, and that's the double-edged sword of the series is that there's no guarantee that this is going to be a great year of fishing for me or that, you know, same with last year, like going into it, I didn't know if I was going to go to every tournament and have a bad tournament, but hindsight, it turned out great. But going into this year, you know, you just don't know those things, but that's the beauty of it. That's the way the sport is. And I think people appreciate the realness of it. And they see that even if you're fishing at the national level, you're still going to have bad tournaments. You're still going to have good ones. So it's just a real series. And uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to doing it this year and promoting it and getting it out there to everybody. So it's going to be fun. Hunter, you know, first off, I'm I'm often made fun of. You've got to understand who you're dealing with here by Kurt and Bass Edge. And even my, <laughs> own, my own daughter, you know, makes fun hey, of Hey, let's just get this straight. We're making fun of Aaron, not <laughs> Kurt. <okay? laughs> yeah, as far as my, uh, lack of understanding and appreciation for the social medias, right? Um, but, you know, we live yep. in a day and age to where technology has, has influenced so much of our lives, and, and certainly fishing is not immune, right? You know, you have kids now wanting to grow up being uh, YouTube channel stars, and they can make millions of dollars doing that. Don't get it, but hey, good for them. So, what I would like <laughs> to know is art and science of filming and communication, and fishing when you're dealing with a live animal and being able to communicate that and do that to where it's not only entertaining but educational takes quite a skill and quite a talent have, have you had training to do this I, I mean you're you're certainly a young man that uh, you know you, you can't have had too much uh, formal education or formal training pertaining to you know being on camera. yeah right as far as the video work and, and everything goes I mean I took a class in high school you know I think probably about what anybody would take in school as far as as media wise but you know going from that I didn't pick up a camera until like six or seven years later and I started recording fishing stuff. And really, I think the biggest thing, and this is where we see a lot of separation with our sport, is that there's someone that can really use a camera and has those skills to develop a great show, except, you know, everything to do with the filming side, but they don't understand fishing. And so no matter what, there's always going to be a disconnect in that story or how the film's produce where I think I have just enough of the camera skills because if you was to put me up against someone that really knows what they're doing it would make me look bad but I have just enough camera skills to get by to tell our stories of anglers and to showcase that side and to do it fairly well because I understand the sport so coming across both of those 
attributes is kind of rare to see. Like I said, it's nothing special. It's just self-taught. Started with a GoPro and basically worked myself up to using production style cameras and all the while trying to learn and catch bass. And win <laughs> tournaments and qualify for the Elite Series and make the Classic and win AOY. There's just a little bit of other stuff going on with the camera part, right? <laughs> <laughs> there is, but I truly love doing it. Just like with anything, it just takes time and work to do it. And I don't think, you know, if I didn't like doing it, I could have never got to the position that I'm at with the film and stuff. If I was still just fishing for fun, I would still be doing this, whether or not I had sponsors or anything, because that's how much I enjoy just the process of filming and doing that stuff. Well, let me, let me like throw fish. out too, Hunter, you know, I, I started to interrupt you there, but it's, I think it's very important to know, you know, in this day and age of vanity media, right? You know, Kurt and I have had mm-hmm. some camera time as well, but the, the challenge, but we broke it. We broke <laughs> yeah. the, the challenge, you know, if, if you're only doing it for self-indulgent reasons, right? It comes through on the lens. And I don't know how to explain that, but you can certainly tell when somebody is passionate and being real versus a produced reality TV show, in my opinion. So there's a parting of the Red Sea when it comes down to all of those choices that are out there. So I think that's what Kurt was getting to at the beginning when he opened up. Yours has a different flair to it. Yeah, I can understand that. And to do it all, you know, for me to be the one editing it as well to get that message and kind of like that flair that you're talking about to get that to really to come out that I want people to see from our perspective. So definitely just blessed with that to have that opportunity to even do it for one. But like I said, I really enjoy doing it and hope to keep doing it. But as time restraints keep getting more and more as I move forward with fishing, it gets interesting on when and where I can continue to keep doing the stuff, figuring out new ways to have uh, people help me, you know, which is a huge help. It'll be, it'll be good. 2018. I'm, I'm really excited for the video series stuff that's awesome well we're gonna get into some fishing here real quick but last question here before you know you're kind of getting into your first national tour series usually you spend some time in florida you know in the winter time anybody that's watched any of your youtube stuff in the past has seen you and your brother down there and, and you spend time with lots of guys down there in florida whether yep. you're you know flipping pitching sight fishing all kinds of cool stuff so it's kind of been a little yep. bit of a routine for you you've kind of always been down in florida a little bit in the winter time and your duties this year prepping for the national tour, has it been much different than what you're accustomed to in years past before you were fishing the opens? And maybe you can just kind of expand on that a little bit for the listeners. Yeah. Fortunately for us, we're from Ohio. So every year it seemed like the opens, which I'd always be fishing, had opened up in Florida around the end of January or beginning of February. And so it was a good time for us to get down there a little bit ahead of time, just start fishing, have fun. And for me, you know, I had sponsorship obligations and getting truck wraps, things designed, contracts signed, but I didn't have a lot. So the off season, you know, was a little more like an off season where this year it's been wide open since I started driving home from the last central open event, basically the last event of the year. I've been making phone calls and emails ever since then. (laughs) A little bit different, right? (laughs) A little bit different. You know, I'm not fishing the Opens this year for the sake of uh, putting all my energy into the elites. And so I'm not going down to Florida. We haven't gone down there to fish, which I kind of miss that because it's always been a, you know, it's something that we've done for the past, I think, three or four years now. But 
I still got to go down to Alabama. I still got to go to Lake Martin. And, you know, getting my gear ready, getting all my tackle done has been all been the same. It's more or less just working with new sponsorships and stuff like that that's been the biggest difference because it's an everyday ordeal. And if you're not on top of it and making sure things are moving forward every single day, it's like, it will not get done by this first event in February, which is right around the corner. And we're still working on stuff the way that it is. So that's been the biggest difference. The off season has not been much of an off season for sure. You can attest to that, right? Kurt? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It'll drive you insane all the time. Every year, every year. That That's the great thing. I say this a little bit facetiously. That's the great thing about tournament bass fishing is there's very little consistency. I mean, you know, you sign a year deal, maybe sometimes, you know, every once in a while, you know, a couple two-year deals, but for the most part, every year it's okay, how do we put this back together for the following year? And then and then you yeah. fish that year and okay, how do I put this together for the next year? And and it's not necessarily like you're completely reinventing the wheel during the off season every year, but there's certainly a large process that goes into yeah. working new people because let's face it, you know, nothing lasts forever. I, I've been very fortunate to be, you know, on the non-endemic sponsor side quite a bit. I've got a few endemics that, that I've been with for years and years and years, but on the non-endemic yeah. side, it's generally a two to four, maybe three to five year cycle. And uh, if you're not continuing to work new processes or build new relationships, then, um, you know, eventually you get hung out to dry and and you just never know how that's going to work out, you know? So Hunter, let me pick your brain real quick on some Florida fishing and you'd brought up, you know, you got to spend some time in Alabama and what I would like to know is what are your thoughts, you know, when you look at Florida in particular, are there things that you only do in Florida this time of year versus, say, some of their, you know, the neighbors of Georgia and Alabama, Mississippi, and, and some of the other southern states? Are there things that's specific to targeting Florida bass that's unlike anywhere else? Yeah, especially this time of the year when you're going down there and the weather always plays a huge role in Florida fishing. And one of the great things that I love probably the most in fishing is flipping and punching like heavy vegetation, heavy matted grass mats and stuff like that. And you can go to Florida almost any time in the winter and basically get around a lake that has some grass mats and go punching and you're going to catch some fish and and on, you know, any given day you have the best opportunity to catch a giant Florida fish doing that and I don't know where I got that from coming from Ohio you know, we <laughs> yeah, right. but I mean something about it you know you're using 65 pound braided line a one and a half ounce weight and you just don't know when or where you're going to get this tick that can possibly be an eight to ten pound bass so that's the great thing about Florida and, and like I said it, it really just comes down to the weather and when the things get cold in Florida the water starts to drop those fish do not cooperate but they really use those mats and matted vegetation to hold the heat and they'll pack up underneath those things and you can really hit a home run in a hurry fishing like that. That's a great analogy too because uh, you know quite frankly it's been cold as balls all over the place this year. <laughs> I don't care yeah. I don't care where yeah. you put it and, <laughs> and if a guy wants to fish without 12 layers of clothing on he's going to have to be somewhere in that neighborhood. Heck, even Florida had some snow back in January so uh, it's been a crazy year but that's uh, some good stuff. I know a lot of boats and trucks head to 
Florida this time of year. So hopefully that'll help those guys with some uh, tips and tactics on really trying to locate that big fish. So, hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. It's been an awesome, fun time so far. Can't wait till the second half of this interview. We're going to pay some tribute to the folks that help us bring you this podcast. We'll be back with Hunter Shryock in just a moment. Sign up to become an O'Reilly O-Rewards member today and start earning instantly. O-Rewards members earn $5 back for every $150 they spend, so if you haven't become a member yet, what are you waiting for? It's fast, easy, and free. O-Rewards, it's your road to exclusive offers only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. See store for details. O-O-O-O'Reilly Auto Parts. Bass Edge Radio, presented by Lawrence Electronics, returns with 2018 BASS Elite Series rookie Hunter Shryock in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. Check out all of the Lucas Oil products in the BassEdge.com store. It works. Hunter, what are some of your favorite techniques as you probe the waters for early springtime fish? You know, what water temps are really going to tell you what fish are doing? You know, kind of what their movements are from winter into that pre-spawn phase. And what are some of the best types of areas and lures you like to use to intercept these bass? Really, you know, the springtime can be such a tricky deal. And when the water, you know, being from Ohio, sometimes there's ice off or whatnot. But when that water starts to warm up and it starts getting into that 48 degree that 50 degree mark but really you you know that warming trend that warming push around those temperatures i'm really going to you know see those fish start to move towards their spawning areas that's not going to mean they're going to be there they're just moving there and you know my favorite thing to throw this time of the year when it's just getting into that pre-spawn that cold water stuff is throwing a jerk bait going down a bluff bank places that those fish are going to use as highways basically they want to use those 45 degree banks to basically move along until they get to their spawning flat and those jerk baits it's such a deadly time of the year to throw them because the biggest fish in the lake are susceptible to being caught this time of the year and a jerk bait i've caught some of the biggest fish i wouldn't say the biggest fish but i caught some giant bass on a jerk bait during this pre-spawn time. And like I said, that's right around that 48 to 52. Uh, You can continue to throw them, but once the water warms up above that, I like to start changing it up into a little bit of faster tactics, you know, throwing a medium diving crankbait. I know Berkeley's got one. It's called the Wild Thing crankbait, and it's kind of just like a wiggle wart, but with a square lip on it. It's got good crawl colors, and I'll throw that down them same bluff banks leading into those spawning areas, and you can kind of speed up when that water temp gets up around 55, and when it, obviously, once it gets around 58 degrees, those fish are going to be really shallow. But those are two of my favorite things to do, and if those aren't working as much as you would like to, or you get one of them sunny days, uh, you can't beat dragging around a football head jig, a finesse jig, you know, depending on the situation, I'll either throw a finesse jig or a football jig. Great time to catch a giant bass in the pre-spawn on a jig. You just can't beat it. Well, both of those approaches, Hunter, are referencing in with regards to speed. Give the listeners kind of a clue as to when you know when to speed up or when to slow down if the bass aren't responding. What's some of the things that you're looking for and how long do you give it before you make the change? Right. Well, you know, this time of the year, again, the weather plays such a big deal. I mean, people think the water's cold if it's 46, 48 degrees, but if it had just warmed up and, you know, three, four, five days of a warming trend and that water temp rose a couple, two, three, four degrees, 
those fish are actually going to be really active. And so don't get in the mindset that just because you showed up that day and the water's cold, that those fish are necessarily going to react to things in a sluggish manner because I've seen them chase my jerkbait back to the boat in 48 degree water. So if you're not getting bit though, and you take a step back and look at what the weather has done, if it's maybe warmed up and now it starts to kick back down and the water's cooled for the past two days, well, maybe them fish aren't willing to chase things as much. And that's when I'll switch tactics to a jig or a finesse presentation, like, you know, a shaky head or even if it's clear water, a drop shot. But you know, a shaky head, you almost can't go wrong either this time of the year, but definitely paying attention to the weather and knowing them forecasts of what you had previously, like leading up to your day out on the water is really going to be indicators of what you can and can't do necessarily. Hunter, in the springtime specifically, kind of talking about this winter to pre-spawn transition, things that are obviously coming up, you know, as we get into late February and here in the next, you know, four to eight weeks. When you're talking about that time frame, we're always looking for signs of potential. You know, there's potential bass in this area. You know, why? Or maybe it's because it's a little bit of warmer pocket or, you know, there's nice brush in the water or whatever it is that we're noticing that might give an area potential. How important is bait fish in the springtime to have potential for an area? You know, signs of bait fish, signs of life in general is never a bad thing to have. In the springtime for me, it's not like I'm necessarily seeking out just bait fish because it's such a combination of different things in the springtime because these fish biologically, they need to make their way to spawn when the water reaches the correct temperature. So that's the number one thing on their mind when the water starts warming is they're moving to their best spawning area. But knowing where these spawning areas are and then figuring out that there is bait there as well is like, that's the perfect combination. Having the warmer water, I think those bait fish are going to seek out those areas that are warming up the quickest. So therefore you're going to also have bait fish bass and most of the time a spawning area really close but it's not like the fall where you're just looking for you know where the bait fish is piling up you know the springtime like i said it holds a little bit different value in the sense that these fish are wanting to pack on the weight but they're also looking to their best spawning area so spawning area and their bait fish you're in a key place right in some of our pre-show discussion we talked a little bit about how important it was to find you know those wintering places and where you start really getting those congregations of fish and then trying to follow them through kind of the transition, really setting yourself up for success in late winter because you're finding the right population of fish in an area. So then to follow them through, how important do you think that is in your process to have success throughout a springtime period? Do you think that that plays a big role or how do you approach that if you were, you know, uh, obviously a lot of us that fish on weekends, you know, a lot of times we're hitting the same lake all the time. So we're trying to stay up and kind of understand those movements that we're talking about. How important do you think that is? Or how do you think someone can capitalize also on those conditions? Yeah, absolutely. My biggest thing is to go to a map and just look at the lake itself on that map and sit back, kind of take a step back and just, you know, even if it's in the wintertime, just look for the biggest spawning areas. This isn't nothing new or you know, I'm sorry, guys, it's nothing special, but 
it's, um, you know, the approach that I take is look for the biggest spawning flats that you can find on that lake. And you start going backwards from there. Go back to the contour lines that are going to have deeper water where them fish are going to basically, you know, if they're out wintering, you know, take a step back from that spawn flat and look at the closest, deepest water that there is, whether that's a point, a hump, anything. At least that's going to put you in the general area of where there's going to be fish. Because obviously if it's a big spawning flat, there's going to be a lot of fish that use it. And it's not going to work every single time. Uh, trust me, I wish it did because I'd find a what? lot more fish that. You mean the <laughs> fundamentals don't work all the time? Are you crazy? It, exactly, but it does. <laughs> it does eliminate some water, so you're not sitting there going into places or, or you know a lot of time wasted on the water when you could have wrote it off just looking at the map. But yeah, you might hit six, seven, eight places like that. But if you find one good place, then you know obviously you've done your job. And following those fish from that wintering hole, I mean, that's a tricky thing to do. It's kind of a trial and error, but going from that deep hole, that deep point, that deep hump, wherever they're wintering at, and then figuring out the next place that they're going to go is obviously moving towards that spawn flat, and they're going to use them contour lines like highways. So wherever it kisses up a channel swing up against the bank, and you fish that channel swing bank, and then as the water warms, you're going to go fish the end of it where it starts kicking off onto that flat. The ends of the bluffs and stuff like that will be the next place. And then obviously onto on flat, they'll go when it's time, but sorry, it's not nothing. That's yeah. nothing too special or secretive. <laughs> hey, look, I said this on the show a couple times before, you know, the head coach in the high school basketball league says, oh, everybody goes to the foul line. He's yelling box out, box out. Right. Well, you go to college game, go to the foul line. What's the head coach saying? He's saying box out, box out. And then you go to the, the NBA game. It's the same thing. You know, fundamentals can be overlooked and fundamentals are the foundation of success. So I think that's super important. So, you know, very well stated. Yeah. Hunter, we're going to move into our listener question segments. Today's listener question segment is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. And the question comes from Steve Wayne. Steve asks, when targeting bedding fish at the very beginning of spring, what are the conditions that cause you to start looking for fish to start spawning a little bit of what we've already discussed today but how do you dial that in for steve this is like a hunter shock weather seminar right now i think (laughs) (laughs) but but really the spawn time can be so indicative of the weather like especially in florida you get a three four five day warming trend and that water temps 58 60 degrees i am definitely going to start looking now if it went from a warming trend and the water was 60 degrees and now the water starts to drop there's a cold front i know that if there is spawning fish there's not a lot of them so definitely when it really starts to warm up and that water hits 58 60 degrees and it's continuing to warm those male fish are going to start pulling up and depending on where you're at it's not going to take long for those females to start pulling up so paying attention to the weather warming trends and you're going to find some spawning fish i was going to ask you about moon phase you know a lot of people talk about moon phase give me your opinion on how important you think that is any lake i go to and i know it's it could possibly you know spawn an activity i'm going to look at the northern part of the lake's going to warm up the fastest the northern like creeks 
that have access to, to being on the north end is going to hold a lot of fish. And you'll, you'll find on places where as long as the sunlight's hitting it for the most amount of time during the day, that's where them fish are going to want to be bedded at. You necessarily don't want the side of the bank that it's undercut or it doesn't you know, obtain a lot of sun. You want to look in the most sunniest places because obviously them fish need that sunlight to get all of that they need for their spawning activities. So that's the first places I'm going to start looking. The moon phases, to me, they help the process, but I don't think it's the entire process. I think when you have both, if you have warm weather or a warming trend with the moon phase, then I think there is a strong push of fish moving up the spawn. But I've seen it too many times that there's been a full moon or a new moon and the weather's not right. You know, it's cold. And if that water temperature isn't doing what it needs to do for them fish, they still will not pull up the spawn. I think there may be a small group, but I think the most important thing that I've seen in, you know, my years of fishing is the water temperature. That's first. Like I said, you do both. You get the new moon or a full moon with a warming trend. Look out. It's going to be a full-on spawning session for sure. Well, thanks for answering that one, Hunter. But Steve, hey, we need one more thing from you. Uh, appreciate your support of Bass Edge for sending in that question, but we need you to reach out, contact us either through our Facebook or other social media properties that are out there, or certainly send us an email, support at BassEdge.com, or simply go to BassEdge.com and click on that Claim Your Prize segment and let us know that you heard your question answered, and we will send you out that coveted gift card. And a reminder to all Bass Edge listeners, uh, keep sending in those questions. We've had a lot of really good ones coming in lately you can shoot those through our website bassedge.com to have a shot at winning the listener question gift card you may also email us support at bass edge or leave us a comment on our facebook and twitter or instagram well hunter great interview so glad that we were able to catch up with you prior to the first elite tournament going to be huge for you so right here on bass edge radio any closing thoughts for the bass edge listeners first off thank you guys for having me on here it's been a privilege and and um, I reiterated on the fact of weather on this entire interview, but <laughs> it's good. like I said, if there's a warming trend in your area and it's early springtime, it's a really great time. It's one of the best times to catch the biggest fish of the year. Bass love cold water and they need to be up fairly shallow to where we can catch them. And it's a really great time of the year to put your personal best in the boat for sure very cool well hunter we got a little segment four last questions for you y'all set for this bro i'm ready all right event you're looking forward to most in 2018 i think the st lawrence so you're an ohio guy you got to go Bengals or browns what do you got neither <laughs> oh, oh. <That> is harsh. <laughs> okay what is your favorite movie oh that's a tough one stepbrothers stepbrothers and who will win the 2018 bass angler of the year hunter shire oh i love it hunter it's been a great time man i'm really glad we got to catch up with you we're all rooting for you i'm hope that bass edge nation gets to uh take a look at your youtube series again i just want to give everybody a shout on that because i truly believe you do a great job in representing the sport and um that's it man bass edge radio will return right after this message Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, 
PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Certainly uh, nice to have the counterpart of the Shryock family. Did a great job, Kurt. Yeah, Hunter's awesome. It's been good getting to know him over the last couple of years. Uh, it be exciting to watch him on the Elite Series. Obviously, super knowledgeable. You know, he hasn't been fishing for 25 years. You know, he's a young guy. He's been hardcore at this, I'm going to say, probably five years or so. And um, he's just obsessed. And uh, this is where you get somewhere when you're obsessed with something and, and you get a couple breaks and it goes your way. This is what becomes of it. So um, it's fun to see, fun to watch. And we had to interview him prior to the event to get this thing going, but wanted to have him be a part of the show. And uh, hopefully while everyone's listening to this, they're looking at the standing saying, hey, you know, Hunter got the season kicked off good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, good point. And I, I, I like your comparison, obsessed. It's not an addiction. <laughs> it's an obsession. It's way more positive positive connotation and we're all about being positive here on Bass Edge Radio. So anyway, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. We need to close this down, everybody. But uh, before I do, don't forget, be sure to log on to BassEdge.com for the latest articles, videos, and certainly all of the uh, Bass Edge paraphernalia, Lucas products, so on and so forth. And be sure to stay up to beat with us on all of our social media for those giveaways and everything that's going on in Bass Edge Nation. We look forward to seeing every Everybody, March 1st, episode 275. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.